0: We're here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Fuel podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. You can find my written work at The Dream Shake and also SB Nation. As usual, appreciate everybody that jumps on every week. And before we get too far into it, I want to let my co-host introduce himself.
1: Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Vader. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Vader underscore h
0: and of course we have two games to talk about as the season kicked off two entertaining games unfortunately two games the Rockets came up on the short end of against the Atlanta Hawks and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh of course last night was was amazing. I mean, even though you it sucks to see the Rockets lose, to watch a superstar like Ja Morant like in his full bag last night was was something to watch. Um so Before we get into the Grizzly game, I want to kind of rewind and go back to the Hawks games because we didn't get a chance to talk about that one. Um, So what did you see in that Hawks game that the Rockets uh, were in pretty much most of the game? Um, It was competitive throughout. Um, Turnovers was a big, huge issue for the Rockets. They did a lot better in the second half. The first half, they could not help but turn the ball over almost every time they went down the court. Um, But what did you see in that game uh, between the Rockets and the Hawks? And did you see anything that kind of also manifests itself into the second game that may have been a contributing factor in them losing?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I that I do like is there is clearly a commitment to defense, right? So yeah, um, there were plenty of times last year where it just kind of looks like they, you know, quote unquote, let go of the rope. I didn't yeah. feel like that's what happened against Atlanta. There were there were moments in the game where you were like, okay, this this might start to get away from us. But they bounced back uh, and they showed some competitive uh, fire and spirit. I was pretty um, excited about um, just the way that they competed overall. I mean, you're going against arguably um, one of the top backcourts in the NBA when when you're talking about Trey Young and you're talking about DeJounte Murray, who like DeJounte Murray has a ridiculous wingspan. I don't think a lot of people realize that, that he has almost like a seven foot wingspan if it's not seven feet. I don't remember exactly what it is, but... He is a monster defensively when he's locked in. So, you know, some of those steals that he got can be attributed to the fact like there there are not too many uh, guys like like DeJounte Murray in the NBA, and yeah. it's a learning experience. When you're Kevin Porter and when you're Jalen Green and you're going up against that guy and you're trying to run your actions, you just have to be that more precise and and, and that more sure of what you're doing and, and and do everything with force. So just coming out of the Atlanta game, I, I just want to say – um, I was in, I was inspired by just that commitment to to locking in on the defensive end. Yes, they made mistakes. Yes, they did some things that they need to clean up, but we're we we're, we're talking about one, you know, out of 82. And we're talking about a, a team that has a lot of new pieces, uh with Tariis and, and Jabari Smith and you know, these guys are still trying to work themselves into the rotation and work themselves into whatever their their role on the team is going to be. But I was very encouraged. I think we played Solid defense at times on both of those two young stud guards. Uh, neither one of them shot very well. They both yeah. impacted the game. They both had double-doubles as far as points and assists. But you could definitely tell that we we were competing. I think before the game, um, somebody asked Jalen Green, you know, how did he feel going up against, uh, you know, one of the best backcourts in the league? And he said something to the effect <laughs> Yeah. I think that we are also, you know, uh, you know, one of the top backcourts in the league. And I like the fact that he he went into the game with that attitude. And I think it bared itself out in the game. He was, uh, he was competitive. He competed with those guys. There's a, you know, there's some stats out there, you know, defensive stats are kind of to be taken with a grain of salt, but oh, when yeah. he is the primary uh, defender on on those guys, they did have a hard time scoring. Um, it's just some, some things we need to clean up as far as pick and roll defense. I think, um, I didn't really like at times how Jabari has been deployed defensively the first two games. I think he's Drop been in a lot and I think that, you know, he, he's shown like in, in preseason and in summer league that he is an amazing switch defender. Um, yeah. I know we haven't had a lot of guys like him in the past. You know, we had Jay Shante, who's a really good switch defender, you know, but like back in the Harden days, we had like a lot of guys who were like really good switch defenders and we played amazing switch defense. I yeah. think, you know, now that we have Eason and Jabari, and whenever Jay Sean comes back, uh, I I think we might want to revisit some of that because like if you can if you can play effective switch defense, I think that it makes it very difficult on a lot of teams to score when you're when you're dropping back on a guy like 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 Trey Young, you're kind of playing into what he wants you to do because now you're yeah. kind of at his mercy because he can score from anywhere on the floor and he also can pretty much make all the passes so. You know, just, just seeing the way we play defense against Trey Young, I think the way we play defense against Ja Moran in, in game two. Uh yesterday, I saw some shades of that that um defense where we kind of drop back and we let Ja dictate uh how he wanted to attack the defense rather than us uh switching on him and maybe like forcing him to make a different decision. So that's that's just two of the takeaways that immediately come to my mind as far as um things that I would like to see a little bit different. I want to see Tari Eason a lot more. Um, I think Tari Eason's been a revelation. I've talked about this before, but he just has, he has like magnets in his hands and they attract the basketball. Like that dude may end up being one of like the best rebounding players at his position in the NBA. I think last night um, in the, in the Grizzlies game, he had, I want to say like seven rebounds in 20 minutes, something like that. And I think when once you get him on the floor, he had this he had this crazy athletic block at the rim, and I think you know he, he was a plus eleven. So just getting Tari Eason on the floor a little bit more, maybe you know getting a guy like Gary Matthews cutting his minutes. I know Sil- Silas loves him. Uh, Silas um, Gary has done a lot of good things for us in the past, but I, I think he's he's probably a great practice player. He's a good dude by all accounts, but. I think he needs to be in like that J- that Gerald Green, not Jalen Green, but Gerald Green role where you know yeah. like let's just say the offense is stagnant, the offense is in the mud, we're we're not hitting shots. You bring a uh, you bring a, a Gary Bird off the bench and let him shoot a, a few threes and let's see if he's hot, you know, and if he's making his threes, you leave him in the game. It's like a spark. But other than that, like I, I don't see him as a he's not one of our top ten players. And in, in my personal opinion, I think everything that he brings you as far as force space he gives it up you know, as a defender and, and you know, he's not a ball handler. He he doesn't rebound. Um, so anyways, I'll let you talk, Lashard, and you know, I can <laughs> just keep going on and on. But like those are just yeah. a few quick takeaways from the first two.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is that they're not um they are competing on the defensive end, but that's the definitely the number one thing that they have to clean up. Because as we see they can score against anybody in the league. I mean, they don't have a problem scoring points. It was just like last year, but it's even magnified even more this year because it just seems like players like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are going to take the next step offensively this year. So they can score against anybody. But when it comes to young teams, when it comes to really any team that haven't been around each other a lot, but especially young teams, offensively, they're going to come together a lot faster because offensively you can be you can do more individual things on the offensive end. On defense, you can't be an individual I don't care how great of an individual defender you are, if you're not in um if you're not in sync with your other teammates, eventually you're gonna get scored on. And that's what's happening with the Rockets. Because as great as Jabari Smith is, they still don't seem to know how to use him yet because he's not really in sync with the other teammates. And it's not it's not his fault. It's that they just haven't really been working together. I think him being out that the rest of the preseason really hurt the Rockets because they didn't get a chance to really work together on the court. I know it's something that Coach Dallas mentioned a lot, that that was a, a, a huge factor in also what they are doing the rotation because they have no idea because they haven't had their entire team together pretty much majority of the uh, preseason because either Tate was out or Smith was out or, or, or Shane Goon missed a game. I mean, it was just kind of back and forth with players missing games. So you could tell on the defensive end, that's where they're having trouble working together because they still haven't had a lot of time on the court. I think that's going to get better, especially with Lionel Hollins as an assistant coach. I think that's going to get better eventually. But that was a problem we saw in Atlanta. Even though Atlanta shot bad, but once it came down to the fourth quarter and you had to get stops, they weren't getting the stops that they needed. And then we saw that definitely last night. I mean, the Rockets were scoring with ease last night, especially Jalen Green, who put up 33 points, probably the easiest 33 points I've, I've seen in a long time but they couldn't stop John ja Moran. I mean, John ja Moran's a superstar. Most people can't stop him, but you also can't give him up 50 points uh, to any one player. Uh, if you do that, you're usually going to lose the game. And because of what you mentioned, because they were running a lot of drop coverage, which John ja Moran just absolutely loves it when you're in drop coverage, because that gives him so many options. He can shoot the floater. He can, he can shoot the step back. He can, even when you're in drop cover, he still can get by you because now you're retreating and you're not really in a good defensive position. Um, Because outside of John Morant, I mean, Contra had a, a good game because they seem to lose them a lot on them backdoor cuts. But outside of John Morant, it really wasn't anybody else doing anything. And I mentioned it. I know Ryan Hollins mentioned it. It's like, I just didn't feel the Rockets, um, for some reason, they don't like trapping players. I mean, I know it opens up the game for other players to get open shots. But at this point, when John Moran is going off like that, you have to do something different.
1: Yeah, I mean, Earl had 50 points almost. So <laughs> at, at some point, <laughs> yeah. let's let's get the ball out of his hands and let's see, you know, if anybody else can score the basketball.
0: Yeah, I, exactly.
1: I, I, you know, that, that was a little bit uh, baffling. And, you know, I'll let you finish. But, like, I yeah. feel like the synergy between Tari and Jabari that we saw, er, like, early in, in, in summer league and some of preseason they just yeah. have this they just have this way of playing off each other. They have different strengths defensively. They're both really solid uh defensive players, but they do different things. And I, I would yeah. like to have seen, you know, maybe those guys get some minutes together and like see if we could combat some of that stuff and maybe change, you know, give Ja a different look. Like when you yeah. get into that, that drop coverage where he can just like put you on a string and have you kind of and kind of yo yo the defense and he can kind of do whatever he wants, like that just was not working for us. So yeah, just some yeah. adjustments here and there would have been nice. Yeah.
0: I mean, at some point you ha- you have to try something different. And even when they ch- did try to trap late in the game, you can tell they hadn't really worked on it because it wasn't a good trap. Like, it was one instance where um, Jabari came out too far and then John Morant just split the defense. Because you can tell they don't really they, – they may work on it, but it's definitely not one of their philosophies as far as trapping. They're more of a um, s- pseudo-switch, drop-back, uh, coverage, especially with um, Alperin Shangoon or Bruno Fernando who went out early in this game, but he was struggling early in the game on the pick and roll. They just seemed to go at him every single time um, because he was kind of just caught in no man's land. He's not necessarily going to be anybody who's going to go out and guard guards anyway, but he just kind of seemed like he was stuck in no man's land to where they, I don't know if to go out, drop back. It just seemed like there were a lot, a lot of confusion on defense um, throughout the game, and that's just something that, it's something they are going to have to clean up throughout the season. I, I don't I don't foresee them seeing being the worst defensive team again uh, this year like they were last year uh, when it comes to points allowed per game. I think that what you saw in these first two games, you're playing against two of the best best point guards in the NBA. I mean, let's be honest, John Morant and then Trey Young. So the fact that John Morant went off is not exactly surprising. How easily he did it in only 30-some minutes, that's a little bit surprising. But, I mean, ultimately – I know people were kind of out on Ja'Shawn Tate, but Jay Sean Tate, this is the type of game that you needed a Jay Sean Tate in because Jay Sean Tate's going to do whatever it takes to try to stop players like John Morant. You can't stop him, but you at least got to make it a little bit more difficult than him basically um, going out there like he's in a practice, just shooting up shots throughout the game. So this is the type of game you can see where a role a play like Jay Sean Tate, you definitely sorely missed him in this type of game. But I agree. You got to get Jabari and Tari on the court more together um, because at this point they're probably two of your top three defensive players, especially on-ball defenders. So you definitely need them on the court uh, more together. Because when you switch, you switch between those two guys, you're not losing anything. Um, but when you're switching between, let's say um, Bruno Fernando is switching out to a, onto a guard, we all kind of know that how that's going to end up going. They're going to put pressure on the off on your defense. They're going to get other people open. They're going to get your big man in foul trouble. And then we kind of saw how that played out. So. John Moran had a great game, but the next person I want to talk about is Jalen Green. I mean, like I said, I don't think I've seen an easier 33 points than what Jalen Green put up yesterday. It just seems like he was in con- full control of his offensive game. Um, he took shots that were like in the flow of the offense. He was able to get to the basket, even though for some reason he's still not getting foul calls. I kind of thought maybe that was shifting from what we saw early last year where he was starting to finally get a little bit some foul calls. Maybe this game was just an aberration, but It was several times he went to the basket and he didn't get the foul call. And I guess John Morant being a superstar got those exact same calls on the other end, but he was still able to put up 33 points. He was still able to get to the basket. He was still able to uh, make shots um, off balance. He was still able to make shots pretty much all over the court. So what did you see from Jalen Green last night that was encouraging? Because he struggled a little bit like everybody did on the Rockets team in the first game with his shot. But this, this game, he just seemed like he was in full control of of on the offensive of end.
1: Whenever you start talking about JG4, I just start getting hype again. Like I was telling yeah. you, like the last week, last week when we did the podcast, um, it's just something, something special about him right now. And, you know, I'm keeping all the receipts. Everybody that said that he was going to be <laughs> Jordan Clarkson. Everybody that said that he was going to be like a six yeah. man. Everybody that said that we drafted the wrong player. Like, open your eyes. Like I'm 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 trying to look directly into the camera. If you if you are watching Jalen Green right now and you cannot yeah. like see what we are seeing, this is a young superstar in the making. Tell me another player, <clears throat> six four to six six, right now in the NBA or even like in past years that uh, a, a six six guard who can shoot potentially forty percent from the three point line, who can. Um, just go to the basket at, at will who can dunk and on pretty much too. anybody. Like he is a, he's an archetype that we have not necessarily seen in the league. Like, like you have shooters, you have, you have Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson level shooters. I'm not saying that he's going to necessarily reach that level of efficiency, but I think easily 38, you know, 40, 41%. That's elite. That is an elite shooter. Right. And yeah. you take that and you also say like, he has an elite first step because he does. And you take, you add those things together and you say when he gets to the basket, he has like this 40 to 45 inch vertical leap, where he can just throw the ball down on anybody. Like you have something that is way different from what we've seen in the past. He, he is like the evolution of that position. Like, I, I know it sounds crazy. People think I'm overhyping it, but what I'm saying is like, you, you tell me somebody else in the league right now who encompasses all of those things. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a very short list. Maybe you can say, um, maybe you can say Anthony Edwards can get there, but him, he and Anthony Edwards are not, you know, the same type of player. Different uh, body you know. types
0: too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, Devin Booker does not have the athleticism that, that Jalen Green has. Uh, yeah. Bradley Bill does not have the elite athleticism that Jalen Green has. You, you, we're talking about something that you know. I don't know. Like I do not know what his ceiling is. And it's just exciting to see the leap that he's made from year one to year two. Like he's doing things right now that I 100% expected him to do, but I thought maybe he would end up doing this stuff in like three season three. He's already like, to me, accelerated the process. He's doing things in season two that I was expecting that I would see from him in season three. So now I'm kind of wondering like, where's this going? Uh, his, his, his dribble moves are so much f- more advanced than they were last year. His passing yeah. is so much better. Like, yeah, he still has growth areas in, in 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 both of those things. But I've seen him make left-handed passes, you know, on, on multiple occasions this season. I, I don't recall a single time last year where I saw him like throw like pinpoint accurate passes with his offhand. He's just his confidence right now is just sky high. And if you watched the game last night, you saw um, I don't want to say passing up the torch because Job ja Moran is still a super young player. He's a superstar in this league. Yeah. But what you saw was a, a young bull out there who was just like, you know, he wasn't intimidated. He he looked across the lines and he looked, you know, a guy in the eye who he looks up to, but he still competed with that dude. Ja Moran is an exceptional talent. Ja Moran is, um, you know, he he's arguably, you know, if, if depending on what Memphis does with their season this year, he's going to be in the conversation for MVP. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And he looked like an MVP last night, but there was a point in time in the game where, Jalen Green was going toe to toe with this man, and you know it was almost like, okay, you got a dunk, I got, I'm getting a dunk. You hit a three, I'm gonna hit a three, and it was it was amazing to watch. It was almost like um, it kind of reminded me back in the day when you used to see like Kobe Bryant and Allen Iverson have those uh, those back and forth battles. Yeah, Uh, that's what that's what it looked like to me. And and you you have like these two really transcendent, amazing guys, amazing players, super exciting. High fly high flyers who can just make shots from all you know all areas of the court and they put on a show. Like I, I would encourage anybody, like if you didn't watch the game last night to go back and look at it because especially you,
0: that third quarter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. J- Jalen Green is is transcending into something um different. Like I think a lot of us felt like he could be this player. But if you look back at that draft, and I said this last night in a space, if you look back at this draft. And this is no disrespect to anybody who was drafted in the same draft with Jalen Green. I, I think Cade Cunningham is an is an outstanding player. I think he's going to be a really good player. I feel the same way about Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes and you know a, a lot of the other guys Wyatt Wagner, uh, you know Giddy to some extent. There's a lot of really really good players in that draft. But tell me, who do you think out of that class right now is looking like a one a, a one a offensively? Like I think Cade is probably going to be. I don't think he's going to be like the, the 1A scorer on his team. You know, there's a, there's a potential where he might be a second option. He's going to have the ball a lot, obviously. But as far as like being that guy who gets the ball when, when, and I need a basket, I need a basket. I need you to get me a basket. There were some times last night in the game where um, the play broke down. They just, everybody just kind of got out the way and gave the ball to Jalen Green. We saw that a lot with James Harden. You give that guy the ball. Jalen Green was the play, there was no play. Jalen Green was the play, and he scored. And so, yeah. like, you're not doing that with Evan Mobley. You're not doing that with Scotty Barnes. He's a, he's a really good overall player, all-around player. But, um, like, Jalen Green is displaying some superstar talent right now. And I, I'm just happy that he's a Houston Rocket. And anybody that, like, said that we made the wrong pick, I mean, I would encourage you to go go back and watch, you know, last night's game and also that last preseason game against Indiana and tell me that yeah. you don't see something different.
0: Yeah, like we were talking about with Jalen Green, I can clearly see a path to where Jalen Green's going to become a superstar. I mean, his passing has gotten a lot better. He's a lot better off of picking roles. Teams can't just rely on, well, he's just going to be a scorer. Now they have to worry about him actually getting other people involved. And, well, that's something we were talking about before we got on the air. He's also bringing the ball up more. Him and KPJ are actually sharing – quote-unquote, point guard duties now to where Jalen Green is initiating the offense. Something I still would like to see the Rockets do more of is staggering, which, I don't know, for some reason Coach Salas doesn't haven't gotten around to that yet with them staggering on ball, especially when you don't have a backup point guard. But that's a whole other point. But the point I was making was Jalen Green is even becoming a, a better ball handler overall. You can see it when he's actually bringing the ball up. You can see it when he's taking people off the dribble. It's not like he's having to force his dribble. And when I say that, I mean, it's not like he's struggling to dribble the ball to where at any point they can take the ball away from him. He's really strong with the ball now. So his just overall game is improving at a rapid pace. And like you said, I didn't expect it to be growing this fast this soon. I expected it maybe towards the end of this year into the third season where we really start see him taking that star level jump. But I mean, he's already taking those steps now. We're just in the game number two. So you can clearly see a path to where Jalen Green is right now. And like I say, anybody that was saying that he was Jordan Clarkson, even last year, didn't really watch him in G League, didn't watch him in Summer League. They didn't really watch his overall game because, no disrespect to Jordan Clarkson, but Jalen Green's um, offensive ability is already top-notch. I mean, he's already showing us why he's going to eventually one day probably be a scoring champ because there's not too many things he can't already do on the court, and we're just in the year two, Imagine when he's in year three, four, and five, when when players really start to peak. I mean, like I said, the his his um eventual potential is like limitless right now to the point where I don't even I can't even really say who you can really compare him to. I know people were comparing him to Zach Levine coming out of um coming into the draft because of Zach Levine's ability, um, his leaping ability, and that he's a is a good shooter from the outside. But even the Zach Levine comparison, Zach Levine wasn't. It wasn't growing this fast in his game in year two uh, with Minnesota. So there's really no no cap to where Jalen Green can go to um, at this point in his career. And to watch him and KPJ, you can tell the chemistry they have on and off the court to where they're not stepping on each other's toes. They're not saying, hey, well, it's my turn to score, so you need to get out of the way. They're really working well together. And the more Jalen Green becomes a better ball handler – the more we'll see that Kevin Porter Jr. doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time. That's going to work well for both of them at the end of the day. Uh, before we wrap up the segment, uh, I want to get your opinion on Aper and Shangoon, who struggled in the first game. It seemed like he was trying to get used to coming off the bench. But this second game, I mean, we all saw this Shangoon that we saw last year. We saw the confidence, we saw, we saw him um, making gestures that players were too small, stuff he was doing last year when his confidence was sky high. So, what did you see from Shangoon yesterday? Um, that's like
1: real. That's encouraging for you going forward. I feel like people saw how good he played yesterday, and they were like, "Oh, well, this proves why he should be starting." I'm gonna rail against that argument just a little bit because I feel like uh, Silas has kind of been justified in 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 bringing him off the bench, and and yeah. I'll explain. So. The first game against Atlanta, Bruno had an amazing stat line in the limited minutes that he played. He played really well. He had a lot of rebounds. He had a lot of assists. The offense looked really good when he was on the floor. Uh, Shingun did struggle a little bit, but like he he had a solid first game. It wasn't, it wasn't great, and the reason it wasn't great was because of the turnovers. And we do know, you know, at times, Shingun is a little bit prone to turnovers, though, but those are things that you can rectify and clean up. This game, other than his free throws, I mean, he kind of put it together, right? So... You know, Bruno had a pretty strong start. The team looked looked good when Bruno was on the floor, and then when Shangoon came in, the whole the whole like the whole the whole reason why they were doing this is because they wanted to give Shangoon touches. They wanted to put him in a position where he felt most comfortable, and that is with him having the ball in his hands. And the the great thing about that is like once once Shangoon gets on a roll and he he gets into a, a groove, when he was back with the starting unit. He was able to like carry that, you know, onto the court with those guys like Jalen Green and, and KPJ. There was a okay. there was a unit that was on the floor last night that I that I really loved. I I didn't see it enough for the rest of the game, but I think it was I think it was Green and was KPJ, Taris and KJ and Shingun. That was a good lineup. Like they were out there playing defense. They were getting out in the in the open court. They were getting like fast break opportunities. It was just a lot to like. They were they it, it looked really good and. You know the point is like this may not be something that we see for the like duration of the season, but I think uh, in at least in the first two games, I think Silas had, Silas has been vindicated as far as like the reasoning behind his decision to bring Shangun off the bench. No, nobody ever claimed that Bruno Fernando was a better player than Shangun. It was more of a <laughs> no. fit thing, and I always brought it back to, um, and, and you know this isn't a this isn't a perfect like comparison, but when you look at James Harden in, in Oklahoma City. You know, he was on the uh, – he came off the bench as the sixth man. It was not because Tabo Cephalosha was a better player than him. You know, at the time, yes, Tabo, you know, brought, like, a defensive, you know, proponent to the – component to the uh, starting lineup that James Harden wasn't necessarily bringing. But it was also done because James Harden flourished with the ball in his hands. And so when you yeah. have Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, you know, you know this, the, the pickings get a little slimmer. Um, you know, for a guy like James Harden, who wasn't as established at the time. He came off the bench. He showed, you know, that he could run a dynamic second unit. He looked amazing with that second unit. And then, you know, at the end of games, he closed lots of games when he came back and he was able to come back and, and be on the floor with KD and Russell Westbrook. I kind of feel like those guys saw the stuff that he was doing with that second unit. And they were like, hey, you know, let this guy cook, you know, let him have the ball. You know, yeah. maybe, you know, if, if you start out the game with, with those guys, I think, you know, Westbrook and KD are probably more or less looking to get their own stuff instead of, like, sharing the ball as much. But watching him dominate second units, it, it's, it almost uh, fosters a a respect level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It kind of responds like, oh, you know, James is out there and he looks great. Like, I can trust him. And I think that's kind of the thing that's happening with Shingun. So, when Shingun is out there and he's just going crazy against these other guys, when 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 Jalen and, and KPJ are back on the floor with him, they know when they pass him the ball that he is going to make something good happen. And so like yeah. it, it, it's twofold. You get Shingun in a groove where he can be the primary option. He's he's never going to be the primary option, at least not this season. You know because they are trying to develop you know KPJ and Jalen. So he gets those primary touches with that second unit, and then when he comes back with the with the main unit, you know everything is everything looks really good. Everything went smooth and seamlessly, other than like like I said, his free throw situation left a little bit to be desired. You know he knocks down some of those free throws. Maybe it's a different ball game, but I like yeah. what I saw. His post game was good, like it's always been. His passing was good. He he cut down on the turnovers. The rebounding was there. Um, he knocked down a three pointer, at least one three pointer. Where I saw he just caught the ball and he and he shot it, and that's one of the things I've been advocating for him for for a while. When he catches the ball and he doesn't hesitate and he just shoots it, it looks like a good shot. It's when he in the as far as three pointers go, it's when he catches it and he's kind of indecisive and then he shoots it, 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 it and it, misses. Huh? It's, yeah, the result is not you know you know ideal. So I I love what I saw from Shingun last night, and uh, you know I look forward to kind of seeing how this plays out. I don't like I said I don't think he's gonna like come off the bench for the duration of the season, but nah. I am in favor of this uh, this experiment. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah.
0: I mean, like like Coach Sally said, they're still trying to figure out the rotation. So I mean, people were like up in arms about him not starting. I mean, it's just something that they're working on throughout the year, and it really doesn't matter who starts. Honestly, it's about who finishes the game. I mean, that's that's the most important thing. So if Shangun is playing well, more than likely he'll finish. And with Fernando probably not playing tonight, I um, mean Shangun's probably going to start anyway. So it's
1: kind of a moot point. But like you I were saying, I would like for him not to Lashara And the reason yeah. being, like I think, and I know, you, I know you kind of like on the fence about Garuba, <laughs> but I think Garuba can come in, man, and I think he can provide other than the vertical spacing that Bruno mm-hmm. brought. I think he can do some of the like defensive things and the rebounding, yeah. the screening. I think he can still give you like some of the stuff that Bruno gave you. And, you know, maybe, maybe you cut his minutes a little bit shorter. And I think it still creates that same dynamic where, you know, you can bring Shangoon off the bench and let him get rolling and then like kind of bring it all back together, like Voltron, you know?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Voltron. How many people (laughs) listening to this actually are watching this going to know who that (laughs) is? (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a possibility, even though um, I don't Garuba hasn't even, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's even gotten off the bench in these first two games, but this is his perfect opportunity. I mean, cause the G league, the G league actually really kicks off next week. The draft is next week. Training camp is next week. So you're going to start to see players kind of going back and forth. So if you're going to make an impression, you might want to make that now because starting next week, you're going to see some of these players, these fringe players on the Rockets are probably going to start getting sent down um, to play for the Vipers. So Garuba could still possibly be one of those players. So, Tonight's going to be his opportunity because I I doubt Bobon's probably not going to really get any minutes. So Garuba's going to be that backup center, or starting center, more than likely backup. I think they'll probably still start um, Shane Goon. But either way, he's going to get an opportunity tonight to show that he needs to be on the Rockets or he needs to start the the time off in the uh, G League because we know the Bucs play Brooke Lopez, who at this point in his career is really not a post-up guy, even though I do remember a game where, like, Late in the fourth quarter, he absolutely dominated the Rockets in the the paint. Um, But for the most part, he's uh, really a guy that's out there to stretch the floor. Um, So this will be an opportunity for Garupa to actually show that he should still be in the rotation, um, or at least at some points, depending on injuries, um, are concerned. Because, like I said, starting next week, they're going to start putting people down in the G League. Uh, the play for the Viper, so he might want to try to step up in this game.
1: Like I said, I, I, think, I one, think one thing about Garuba, yeah. I think he's more switchable than Bruno. Like Bruno has some things yeah, to his game that's better, definitely yeah. better. You know, at certain things. Like I said, he's not. You know, not that not that Bruno is just like amazing live thread, but we know like Garuba is not. Uh, he's, not he's vertically game, yeah. challenged a little bit, you know. But <laughs> as far as being a switch defender, this might be a good opportunity to like put put Garuba out there and let's try some switching defense. I I'm yeah. you know we played Milwaukee tonight. Giannis You gotta, is, you gotta double we, Giannis. We do I, I know they match don't match like to. I know do they don't like to
0: but you cannot play Giannis one on one with anybody in the league, especially anybody on the Rockets. Cause if not Giannis is gonna go off for 40 and 20 tonight. I mean you, you gotta you gotta do something different. They don't have Middleton so you gotta make other players beat you. You got to make Grayson Allen beat you. You got to make Drew Holiday beat you. And and speaking of Drew Holiday, um, I don't know if he's going to take this game personally or not. Because the last time uh, or previous time he played the Rockets, and we all know what what happened with him and uh, KPJ. So um, Mm -hmm. I I have to imagine he kind of has it circled on his schedule. But you got to make other players beat you outside of uh, those those, outside of Giannis, which – I don't want to get too deep into it because we're going to actually talk a little bit about that in a second segment, kind of previewing the Bucks game. Um, but ultimately, Alperin Shane Goon is going to have a big role on this team, whether it's off the bench, whether it's starting. I don't think people should get up in arms about whether he's starting a game or not, because starting a game is really semantics at this point. It's really about how many minutes you play and do you finish the game, because that's ultimately determines how the coach really feels about you. Because, like you said, there's plenty of great players that have come off the bench that came off the bench in their career. Manager Nobley came off the bench. You're going to tell me he wasn't one of the better five players on the Spurs team throughout his career? Of course he was. But he fit better with the second unit. Jamal Crawford, a lot of his career, he came off the bench. I mean, he made a whole career about being a six man. Uh, on a, a lot of those teams in his prime, wasn't he one of the better players? Of course he was. Sometimes it's just all about fit, it's about you getting maximum opportunities. Um that you can get. And a lot of times shang may not get those opportunities because uh, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are the two main guys on this team. I mean, we're going to see that throughout the year. Those are the guys that are going to get up the most shots. So Alper and shang coming off the bench, being able to go against second unit players, um, being able to see how the game is playing out. And then if he's playing good enough, he can finish the game. I think
1: ultimately that's really what matters is him. I think it also or not. I think it also minimizes his uh, foul trouble. You know yeah. that's been an issue for him in the past. I think bringing him off the bench, you kind of put him in a position where the the fouling situation is maybe a little, you know, a little less of an issue.
0: Exactly, and also he can be like a running back. He can wear down teams because we see once Shane gets on the court, he's nonstop. I mean, I don't know how many offensive rebounds he was able to get over two or three players last game, but. I mean, it was pretty amazing at one point where he was just getting offensive rebound, offense rebound. And I think that's a lot because he was a lot more fresher than the players that were out on the court because he he didn't necessarily start the game. He was able to just see how the game played out from the bench. So uh we'll see what happens tonight, whether they start him, maybe they start Garuba, maybe they go small and have Jabari Smith at center and and that's have, interesting. Uh, I didn't and, even and, think about and, that. Yeah, and, and maybe go that route, maybe Maybe we get a Tari Eason at Power Forward. I mean, who knows how it's going to play out, but uh, we're like going to talk that. a little bit about that in the second segment. We're going to preview the, the, the Bucks games because maybe some of y'all watch this after tonight, and you won't necessarily um, see this until the Bucks game play out. So we're going to be pre- previewing the, the Rockets Bucks in a second uh, segment, so please stick around. And welcome back into the Rockets Fuel podcast, presented by Clutch fans. Uh, myself and Vader, we're going to be discussing the – uh rockets bucks that's coming up tonight uh the second game off of a back-to-back uh so i kind of want to start with a little bit what we were talking about the in the first segment on what the lineup could possibly be going into this game because we haven't got confirmation at least i haven't seen it unless it's happened while we've been on the air but uh I've, i'm i'm assuming bruno for now is probably not playing tonight especially off a of second night he left the first game uh with an injury so the Rockets are going to probably have a new starting center tonight it could be Apera Shangoon, unless Coach Salas feels that he needs to stick to what he's been doing, having Shangoon come off the bench. In that case, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Um, it could be, like I said earlier, it could be Jabari Smith at center, maybe Tari Eason at, at power forward, maybe KJ Martin at power forward, um, maybe they go with Uzma Garuba at center to see what he can do up against you know, Brooke Lopez and Giannis in that and with the uh, with the starting lineup. Uh, So it could be a a few different possibilities. Ultimately, I actually, I would like to see them start off with Jabari Smith at center, have Tariq and power forward. I think a lot of Rockets fans will be extremely happy if they start off with that lineup. Um, Because I think that gives you, you can switch everything. um, That also helps you spread out the floor. So maybe Giannis is not just camping in the paint, um, trying to block every shot that comes uh, comes, uh, towards his way. Um, that opens up a lot, and also it gives the, the Rockets opportunity to see that if the, the Jabari Smith that center will work ultimately long-term, because I know they did a little bit last game where they had Jabari Smith uh, running as a, kind of a small ball five, but I think I would like to ultimately see that lineup uh, start the game. You don't necessarily have to stick to it too long. If it's not working, then you can go with um, bringing in Shane or you can go with bringing in um, Uzma Grubin for a few minutes, but I would actually like to see, if not starting at least at some point, run a a, a large chunk of the game, run with Jabari at the five and Tari uh, Tari Eason at the power forward. Um, So what's kind of your feeling on uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, maybe possibly having Uzma Gruber starting, but what's kind of your feeling on what the lineup should be to start the
1: game? So initially I was thinking, I was hoping that they don't start Shingun because I, I like yeah. what he's bringing off the bench. I think it's been a successful uh, first two games as far as, you know, how this experiment looks to me. Yeah. I think Garuga would bring a lot of uh, where Fernando brings to the starting lineup, but he will also add, you know, the aspect where they could um, switch defense a little bit more. And yeah. I think going against a guy like Giannis, it's imperative that they, like, create that wall. I mean, we saw the one thing that Giannis struggles with is when guys wall off that paint. When you yeah. just give him a free run to the basket like he's unstoppable. Like, I'm not, I'm not a huge Giannis fan, but I do think that he is probably like the best player in the NBA if you can if you factor in offense and offense and defense. Like that guy is amazing. He, you know, he can guard pretty much every position defensively. He not only, you know, plays perimeter defense, when he can protect the paint, he gets these amazing block shots and then offensively, he's just, uh, you know, he, he just gets that full head of steam and he just attacks the basket relentlessly and he just makes so much yeah. stuff happen. So I think if you have yeah. like a defensive team on the floor who can move their feet and and, and kind of wall off the paint for him, I think that is going to, you know, that is going to go like a long way in, as far as this competing in this game. Out of the first three games, I felt like this was the the you know, least winnable, unfortunately. We yeah. we started 0-2. We're the best 0-2 team in the league, by the way, but we are 0-2. <laughs> yeah. Um best quality that, losses so far. Yeah. Yeah, quality <laughs> losses. But like this this team, I don't know. I, I don't know how we match up with them. I, I felt like we matched up pretty well with Atlanta. And I felt yeah. like we matched up pretty well with Memphis. But like Milwaukee is a different animal when you look at like guys like Giannis and, and some of the other players they have on the team and, and just the way they deploy those guys. I don't I don't yet know how we match up with them. So having Garouba on the floor, I think he I think he brings something to the table defensively. But if they don't go that way, like I said, I still would like to see to come off the bench. I think a lineup where maybe Jabari is a small ball five, like Lashar was mentioning, would be good with, with Tari. I I I'm a huge advocate of seeing, you know, more Jabari and Tari minutes. I think this is a perfect opportunity to do that, especially against this opponent where, you know, we're, we're, we're just playing with house money at this point. Nobody expects us to win this game. I think this yeah. is a good opportunity to like try some different things, try some different coverages that we didn't really see too much in the first two games. And I think the reason we didn't see a lot of switching um, in the first two games is because of the personnel on the floor. You can't run a switch defense when you have guys on the floor who aren't switchable. It, it, it just kind of you know like they say, you know, a, a chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And you know, Shingun Shin for all of the amazing things that he does, he's not a good switch defender. He, yeah. you know, you don't want him out there uh, at the three point line trying to guard. He just he just doesn't move laterally, you know, well enough in order to be successful at that. So for Shingun, you know, drop coverage does make more sense for him than a, than a switch defense. But if you have you know Jabari or Garuba, you know, you know Tari Eason plays center in college. Yes, he would be undersized, but hey, we we played PJ Tucker <laughs> who's six five you know, at, at, at at center before Tari Easton is at least six, seven, he might be six, eight. He's shown that he can rebound the position. He has an, uh, he he has a freakishly long wingspan. He, he knows, you know, he knows what to do. I think he would be at least adequate, you know, as a small ball five, especially when you have a six eleven power forward like Jabari Smith right next to him. So, you know, I'm an advocate of like, let's, let's try something. Let's be creative tonight. Um, and even if they do start Shingun and we see that, it, you know, it's not working, I, I would like to see Silas be, um, you know, let's 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 work on, you know, some of the things that we did not see. I, I know they're working on some of these things in practice. You know, yeah. let's deploy it tonight and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, of course, it all comes down to Giannis. You're not going to stop him, but you can't let him go off for like a monster game going off for 40 points and 20 rebounds or something insane like that because as good as Milwaukee – Good as Milwaukee is, they still are missing Middleton. I mean, I know they brought also brought in Joe Ingles, who's like one of those pesky, pesky type of defenders who is not necessarily great as far as when it comes to uh, anything, one particular thing, but he's the type of player that can get under your skin. But, I mean, ultimately, it's, it's really about Giannis. To some degree, Drew Holiday. Um, I think if they, they still start players like Wesley Matthews, they still have players like Grayson Allen. Um, but, If you can at least contain um, Giannis to where he's not putting up ridiculous numbers, you'll have a chance in this game tonight. But coming off of a, a tough game last night and then you're playing a back to back game and Milwaukee's only played one game so far this year. You're on your third game. You're traveling out to Milwaukee. Like you said, it's going to be house money. Nobody's going to expect them to win. Honestly, I am i don't even expect them to win tonight. I, I mean, I would be surprised, not shocked. I would be surprised if they win this game tonight because there's a lot of factors that's going against them. Um, but if they can shoot like they did last night and play a better, improved defense, they might have a chance. Because um, as great as Giannis is, at least you know he's not going to go out there and and knock down seven or eight threes. It seemed like John ja Morant couldn't miss anything from outside yesterday, which is not even yesterday's
1: game. I was telling somebody if if John ja Morant is going to shoot like that and shoot like That's he shot insane. yesterday, I mean it's kind of like I mean good luck. It's like a huge you know middle finger, excuse me. It's like a huge yeah. middle finger to the rest of the league. If he's gonna be like, so explosive, get into the basket, and also be a knockdown three-point shooter, I just think he kind of probably like he 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 played way way above his head as far as the shooter yeah. last night. Because yeah, his, he's not. Like, I mean, come on, that's, that was he's, ridiculous. He's not gonna
0: do that like every game. That's not his game. Usually, I mean, the scouting report is to back off of him and give him that shot instead of let him get into the paint. I mean, he was just making everything last night. You just got to tip your hat. But Giannis is not going to do that. If Giannis goes out there and makes seven, eight threes tonight, then Shake I might as well just turn off the TV because it's the, it's the game is the game is over at that point. But he's he's probably not going to do that. So I think that the key to tonight is, like you said, you have to wall off Giannis. You can't give up the easy dunks. I mean, he's going to get some dunks. I mean, he's freaking eight feet tall with like a nine-foot wingspan. So he's going to get some dunks no matter how good you play them but you can't make it easy on them. Like at some points they were doing with John Morant yesterday. Superstars are going to score. Superstars are going to get their points, but you can't make the game easy for them. Um, You have to at least make them work on that end. And on the other end, on the offensive end, continue to do what you did last night. You may not even shoot as great from three-point range, but you have to get to the basket. You have to try to get their people in foul trouble, Um, especially players like Brooke Lopez. Um, You have to try to at least make them work on the other end because – um, like I said, Giannis is great, but Milwaukee is not a great offensive team without Middleton. I mean, I, I think you can still do some stuff against them defensively to where you can make other players beat you. I, I, don't want, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you have to double Giannis every single time he gets the ball in the paint. You cannot let him go one-on-one or Shangoon's going to be in foul trouble. Jabari Smith's going to be in foul trouble. They're going to have three fouls before the end of the first quarter if you do not double Team, who, do
1: think, who do you think has the best chance to like guard him, though? Um, I, would, I mean, uh, honestly, I would argue Tari uh, Eason might be – and, and, it's, and it's, it seems weird because he's the shortest out of all of those guys, but yeah, I don't know. I, think I was Ty about Eason to is- say
0: Tari Eason. Just because of his, his size, even though he's not, he's not seven feet tall, he's not it's the same size as Jabari Smith. I just think Jabari Smith right now is still learning the NBA – and he still is you know building out his body. I mean, he's I mean Giannis is a freaking beast. You need somebody that can at least handle him somewhat in the post. And I do think Tari Eason is that, that best. I think he the has a lower center of point.
1: gravity. His center does, of gravity yeah. is a little bit lower. I think his base is a little bit stronger. Yeah. And With no Jay Sean
0: think, Tate, yeah, I think he's yeah. he's the best option. And not that Jay Sean Tate would necessarily be in the best option because Jay Sean Tate's only six four, six five, but he still does have that he knows how to play position defense. You have to you have to know that against Giannis because you're not going to block a shot. You have to at least be able to get underneath him to where he's not just backing you down into the paint and just dunking a ball over you every single time. So, yeah, I think this is a game where, honestly, I would start Tari Easton, like I said. That's another reason why I would start Tari Easton along with Jabari Smith at the 5 because I think that Tari Easton at least gives you some chance against Giannis. You're not going to stop Giannis. Giannis is still going to get his 25 and 10. I mean, you can pretty much mark it down almost every single game. As much as a lot of Rockets fans don't like him. I mean, like you said, Giannis, if he's not the best player in the league, he's definitely top two or three. I mean, as much as you can hate him, I mean, the stuff that he does on the court is pretty amazing. So at least Tari gives you some opportunity to at least contain him a little bit to where you're not having to bring three or four players over to guard him instead of just one or two. Um, So hopefully we see that kind of plays out because – as much as I like Garuba, I don't even think Garuba can even stay with him as far as one-on-one just because, like I said, Tari Eason to me is probably one of the – also the stronger players on the Rockets as well. So uh, we'll see how the, the lineup kind of plays out ultimately. But before we wrap the show, uh, why don't you give us a prediction on how you think the game is going to play out tonight?
1: Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, being, being with Chris Middleton out, I think – it's a winnable game. If it wasn't yeah. a back to back, I think I think the um, combination of it being a back to back and Milwaukee being a championship quality team, you yeah. know, I hate to say it, I I think our chances of winning this game are probably you know twenty percent or lower. Um, I felt like, like I said, I felt like the Atlanta game and the Memphis game were more winnable games just from yeah. from a matchup perspective. This game, I, I don't really know because I, I and and then you know having the the lineup kind of influx right now I, I don't know who uh Silas is going to deploy tonight I feel like yeah. if we get if we get 30 minutes of Tari Eason I think we can I think we'll be in this game if we yeah. only get 20 minutes of Tari Eason and we get like Garrison Matthews a lot like a healthy dosage of like and to me a healthy dosage of Garrison Matthews is anything more than six minutes yeah, <laughs> Like, I, I feel like if he plays more than six minutes, if he's like in the 10, 12 minute range, I don't think we win this game unless he's like on fire and fuego yeah. from three point, from the three point line. So I'm thinking, um, I think, I think we're going to lose this game. I'm going to be honest with you. However, yeah. like I said, if, if Tyrese gets good minutes and he shows that he can defend Giannis, at least make it difficult for him. Like you said, he's going to score anyways, but if we can, uh, cont- you know, contest his shots, make him work for it. You know, at least be out there and, and give them something to think about. I think our offense will be still good enough. I mean, our team is young. I don't think, um, I don't, you know, it may affect our shooting. They were in a really, really like tight game yesterday. There was a lot of yeah. adrenaline, a lot of emotions with that game just because they were going against Ja. And I know that they really respect Ja and see him as like a, a big brother figure. Um, but they're young, you know. They'll bounce back, you know. You know, you you were you were twenty once. You know what it was like. You could pro- you could probably play three games in a row if you had to. So <laughs> oh I yeah, that, I
0: remember those days.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they I think they'll come out and I think they'll be fine offensively. It's just you know yeah. what are we gonna do to contain Giannis? So from that from that yeah. perspective, like I said, if, if Tari plays a decent chunk of the game, I think that uh, we could we could at least be competitive, just like we were in the first two games. But Ultimately, I do not expect us to win this game. And unfortunately, that would make us 0-3. Uh, and we would still be the best 0-3 team in the NBA.
0: <laughs> That's something. Yeah, I mean, I agree. If it wasn't back-to-back, I would give them a, a better a chance. But you're going back-to-back. Like I said, they um, Milwaukee's only played one game so far this year. This will only be their second game. They're playing at home. You're not going to be playing without Bruno. So you're going even deeper into your rotation. Maybe we have a Knicks game, finally, because Knicks will probably be playing tonight. I think he could have played last night, but since it was back-to-back, they probably set him out. I know everybody's down on Knicks, but it's sort of a joke. But it's not a joke. Maybe Knicks will actually show what he showed in G League last year. That would be a complete shock to everybody if that happened. Um, But ultimately, I think that they're kind of behind the eight ball this game. They're going to have some some trouble containing Giannis um, back-to-back, even though they are young. Like you said, that still can affect their legs on a lot of their jump shots. And if you're not making your threes against Milwaukee, that's going to be a huge problem because you're not going to score in the paint. It's hard to score in the paint against Milwaukee when you got Brooke Lopez down there, who's still a really good shot blocker. You have Giannis in the paint. They come off the bench with Serge Ibaka, who's still a, a decent defender as well. So you're not going to really be able to score in the paint like you have been
1: especially in the gonna, last And team. they're going to try to force us probably off the three point line when you when you just know yeah. how Drew Halliday plays and I think yep. they still have Wes Matthews if Wes Matthews correct. yeah, yeah he's, like those he's guys are a... like really really solid uh perimeter defenders and they know that, you know, they, they're going to want to funnel, you know, Jalen green and KPJ into the strength into the teeth of their defense. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it could be a rough night, you know, offensively as far as um, you know, scoring as well. Like I wasn't yeah. really worried about the scoring, but it's, it's going to depend on what kind of legs they have. They, they're going to yeah. have to be able to create some open lips for one another. And that's going to yeah. come down to like what, what, what JG and what KPJ do and, it, it, this might be a good Silas game. We need to see some of those uh, offensive plays that we've heard about. <laughs> yeah. Like this is this, tonight's the night because we're going up against some guys who take you know pride in their defense. They're not yeah. gonna you know they know we're coming off a, 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 a tough game last night, and they're gonna not make it easy for us. So like we need some yeah. of the we need some of that Silas Dallas Maverick playbook to
0: uh, be in effect tonight. Yeah. Cause, I mean, Philadelphia. I mean, they shut down Philadelphia last game. Philadelphia didn't even get to 90 points last game. And Philadelphia, of course, we know is a really good uh, Maxie, offensive team. Harden, Maxie Embiid. Harden, MB. They shut down Embiid pretty much completely last game. So they are a really good defensive team. Um, so, like you said, this is going to be a game where you're not going to be able to go one on one against Milwaukee throughout the game and expect to have any type of success. That's not the team that you do that against. You can do that against Atlanta. You can do that against um uh, memphis to a certain extent especially without dylan brooks but you're not gonna be able to do that against milwaukee so they're gonna have to do something other than going one-on-one uh for most of the game so like i said ultimately i think they're gonna probably lose this game but like you said 0-3 is 82 game season you played three of the top teams in the league i mean milwaukee could win the championship memphis can easily i won't well i won't say easily but they're definitely, if not top two or three in the West again this year. Same thing with Atlanta. I mean, adding Dejounte John So you played three of the top teams in the league. You haven't played Orlando or Sacramento. You've been playing top teams in the league. So if you go 0-3, I don't think it's anything to get too worried about, especially if you're actually in all three of the games. I mean, that's more encouraging than anything else. So we'll yeah, see how it plays out tonight.
1: But like, yeah, where's where's Detroit on our schedule, and and Orlando, and the Spurs, and like some of the some of our other like teams that we need to like go up against, so we can kind of see yeah. where we measure up. Like we didn't we didn't get yeah. that at all. Like the NBA, like they, the, it's the Houston conspiracy once again. There's no way that they started us against uh, Milwaukee, believe- who won the championship a couple years ago. Memphis, who you know yeah. if ja doesn't if if Jordan Poole doesn't try to pull his pull his knee off last year. And, and, you know, broke the code, you know, who knows how far Memphis goes. And then Atlanta uh, is just a little over a year removed from almost making it to the finals themselves uh, when Trey Young sprained his ankle. So, like, these are three Mm -hmm. teams who have gone very deep into the playoffs the last two years. And they um, all three of them have championship aspirations. Yeah, we we need to see some of those. Like, I mean, I know Utah Jazz has started out, you know, pretty well, surprisingly. But, like, I want to play the Jazz. I want to play the Spurs. I want to play uh, give, Orlando. Give me some Pacers to somebody. <laughs> pacers. <you know>. Some, <laughs> like, yeah. give, give me some, somebody who that's trying play, to tank Who do we play, after, who do we play after Milwaukee?
0: Uh, so they play – I think they play Utah Monday. Yeah, okay, they play Utah. We go. Actually, they play Utah back-to-back, Monday and we Wednesday.
1: Go. 2-0 and right Por- there.
0: And then Portland, who actually just beat Phoenix, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then they have Phoenix, who's, like, really struggling. At this point, um, but it's still, it's still Phoenix. So I was predicting yeah, th-
1: Phoenix's downfall. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think uh, yeah. eventually Chris Paul is gonna stop being Chris Paul.
0: Well, they did bench him in that first game. So uh hey, there's that. Um, but yeah, and then they played the Clippers twice, and they played Minnesota. Hey, and then they finally got Orlando on November seventh. So <laughs> so there you go with that. So there we go. Maybe we get a win out of that. But uh, ultimately, like I said, you know, zero three is not horrible. No reason for people to jump off the the, the ship just yet. As long as we and, see good
1: basketball, that's I think that's the that's, that's the, the key right now. Are we competing? The Do you see like and I, and I mentioned this too before. Like there was a there was a play yesterday where there was a defensive breakdown, and I saw uh, Jalen yeah. say something to to KJ. It wasn't yeah. nothing malicious, but they were talking about it. And you know yeah. there were a lot of uh, times last year where you would either see like guys addressing each other in a way that was like counterproductive or you just saw guys not seemingly not caring. And yeah. so like the, the interaction that I saw between Jalen green and KJ yesterday was interaction where I was like, okay, they're trying to fix it. It's like, Hey bro, you know, you are supposed to do that. And you know, it was, but it was constructive and yeah. that's what you need. You need to have accountability on a, on a young team like this where, you know, and, and I'm glad that Jalen green is starting to like maybe take some of that leadership role. I don't know yeah. if maybe because um, he was, he, he deferred like let's just be honest. He deferred a lot to the, to the vets last year. Yeah. But um, I I do, you know, foresee him being a lot more vocal and a lot more, um, you know, in that in that role that we envision him as being in.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Rockets fans is OK, because you have the Astros uh, playing today. The roof is going to be open at Yankee Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so <laughs> the Yankees are probably going to be in joke. trouble again. Uh, <laughs> they're probably going to be in trouble again. Then you got General Mills tomorrow for the Texans. So, mm-hmm. hey, it could be worse. Um, so <laughs> that's gonna do it for today's show. Um, as usual, we appreciate everybody that jumps on every week. We may actually have another show tomorrow, recapping the game. We'll see how that goes. Um, we'll probably have a Rocket Science dropping on Monday, kind of breaking down some of the plays from the first three uh, preseason games. So make sure you check that out. Like I said, we appreciate everybody that jumps on, uh, checking out the podcast every week on YouTube, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate everybody um, that checks us out every week and make sure you come back for our next episode of rocket fuel podcast presented by clutch fans